Welcome to All Vampires Are Gay, a serialized narrative podcast created by Corbin Rosewood. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all major podcasting platforms. If you like the show, please consider supporting our work. All Vampires Are Gay is made possible because of listeners like you. You can help out by becoming a patron, shopping our merch, and of course, telling your friends about the show. You can find all the ways to support us and more at our website, CorwinRosewood.com. Now on with the show. Season 2, Episode 6, Metamorphosis. Welcome, I'm Corbin Rosewood, and tonight we return to our vampires who have just been captured by the dangerous Mrs. Whitaker. We must turn to Robert to guide us through this difficult time, since Victor is quite busy being frozen. Scene, Mrs. Whitaker's study. Robert tapped his knee nervously, and his hands shook slightly. He couldn't remember the last time he had been this anxious. He was sitting in a dark wood chair with velvet upholstery in a richly decorated and warmly lit study. When Mrs. Whitaker and her witches had found him, scared and bloody, crying over Victor's freezing cold body, he hadn't wanted to leave. Even when they showed him their weapons, and he saw that they had captured Jin and Samson, he still refused to leave Victor's side. He had clutched the twisting magical dagger till his knuckles were white, warning anyone who came near with wild eyes that he didn't know what this thing did, but he would use it. Eventually, Mrs. Whitaker herself, with her imposing glare and firm voice, had pushed the other witches aside and crouched down on the ground next to him. She had gently, but very seriously, explained to him that he didn't have a choice. He had to come with them. Robert had replied that he wouldn't leave Victor. Not like this, no matter what. Mrs. Whitaker explained that they were taking Victor, so he'd better come too. He agreed, but refused to give her the dagger. She'd said that was fine, so he'd watched with a lump in his throat as her witches found a large tarp and wrapped Victor in it, carrying him away like a piece of old luggage. He had watched as some of the witches touched Victor and yelped in surprise as they were burned by his ice-cold body. He'd winced as they lifted him into the van and his head banged against the side. Jin had promised him that Victor would probably be okay, that he wasn't dead, that Mrs. Whitaker might even be the best person to help him. Robert had nodded along, all the while holding the dagger tighter and tighter, until he couldn't feel his hand or the blade anymore. He knew they would want the dagger. It was magic, and they had stolen it. Of course Mrs. Whitaker would want the dagger back. But he wasn't going to let her have it. Not until he knew Victor was safe. Not until he knew why this had happened, or what had happened to him. 
Mrs. Whitaker's coven had picked up all their duffel bags and ushered the three of them into a van, warning them not to try anything. Robert had no intention of trying anything. All he wanted was to save Victor. He had barely noticed when the witches put a blindfold over his eyes and pushed him and his friends through the long corridors under Mrs. Whitaker's nightclub. He had stumbled over stairs and heard the sounds of dance music in the distance, but he didn't notice. He only thought of Victor. At last, the blindfolds had been removed and he had been told to sit down in this large and beautiful study full of magical objects and books, lush carpets and chic design. Everything had a butterfly theme. The rugs had dark brown butterflies. They were carved into the mahogany wood cabinets and real butterflies were pinned under glass in displays along the walls. Samson and Jin had been given seats next to him and Victor was there too. They had laid him out, still on the tarp, on top of a large dark oak table. He was lying there now, not moving. But when Robert glanced at him, he saw little crystals of ice were slowly forming around his body and trailing down the sides of the table legs. They'd been in the office about 30 minutes now, and Robert was only getting more nervous. When they'd first got there, Jin had whispered to him not to talk about anything. They didn't know who was listening or who was watching. He had agreed and kept his mouth shut and his eyes down, but his mind was racing as he tried to work out what had happened to Victor. He replayed the events of the evening in his mind, and every time they made less sense. Why had Victor been hurt when he stabbed Lyrin? What had happened to him? What was that magical light? The connection between Victor and Lyrin, and most importantly, why was he so cold? The door creaked, and he looked up. Mrs. Whitaker walked into the office alone, her pale gray hair tied severely up on her head, an unreadable expression on her face. She wore the same outfit as earlier, a simple black dress and a velvet cloak held by a silver butterfly brooch. There was something unsettling about her. She moved with total confidence. When she looked at you, it was a cold and calculating assessment. She sat down at the desk opposite them and steepled her fingers, looking over her round glasses at them. Well, haven't you had an interesting evening, she said, her voice dripping with danger. So sorry, Jin blurted out. We didn't mean for this to happen. It's just Liren was there and, and it got out of control. Robert sighed. He'd been to enough principal's offices to know you should not act like Jin if you wanted to get out in one piece. You needed to divert their attention, get them to forget about what you'd done. Why do you like butterflies so much? He asked. He wasn't sure but he could have sworn Mrs. Whitaker looked just a tiny bit impressed. They remind me of where I came from, of my metamorphosis, she said. But we're not here to talk about me. Let's talk about you. What happened tonight in Highgate? 
Robert thought about how to respond for a while. He looked at Samson, hoping they would have a good answer. But unfortunately, Samson looked entirely awed by the butterflies on the wall, and wasn't paying attention to them at all. Jin had explained on the van ride over that after all the healing salves she had given them, Samson was a little bit loopy. When no one responded to her, Mrs. Whitaker sighed. You seem like a reasonable group, if a little bit ridiculous. You know who I am and what I'm capable of. There's no point in trying to hide from me. We're, we're not trying to hide, ma'am, Jin said. I, I just don't know fully what happened. I didn't see what happened with Victor and Liren. Mrs. Whitaker looked over her glasses at Robert. I know Victor from my club. Are you Liren? She asked. Robert raised his eyebrows. This was unexpected. She really didn't know what was going on. Um, no, he isn't here, Robert said. Liren was the awful guy with the blonde hair and the monsters, the one who attacked us. What monsters? Mrs. Whitaker asked. The Chevaliers, Jin explained. His witch was controlling them. That old group of French vampires? Mrs. Whitaker looked at them with doubt. They've been dead for well over a century. Jin shook her head. No, ma'am. They've been locked in a mausoleum in America, in the woods outside Blackwood City. Mrs. Whitaker was quiet for a moment as she took in this information, leaning back in her soft leather chair and pressing her long bony fingers together. Finally, she said, over a century in a mausoleum would definitely make them into something very strange. But you said this man was controlling them? You didn't see them? Robert asked. I thought you fought them off. Mrs. Whitaker shook her head. No, we only saw the four of you. If anyone else had been there, they would be in this room right now. Robert sighed. Liren had gotten away with it, as usual, and he was left holding the bag. There was someone else there, and he hurt my... 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 Victor? Robert said. Mrs. Whitaker looked at Victor's frozen body on the table and said, We'll get to him in a moment. First, I want to ask you about the tomb and the magic. You are the witch, correct? She nodded her head in Jin's direction. Yes, I do witchcraft, Jin said. What coven do you belong to? Um, I don't, Jin replied. Unusual. Who was your teacher? Mrs. Whitaker asked. Oh, um, here and there, I mean, I'm mostly self-taught, Jin said. Impressive. What? Jin looked surprised, but Mrs. Whitaker didn't elaborate. I felt more magic than just one witch, though. Who else used magic there? Liren's witch. I think her name was Cassandra, Jin said. She was using magic to control the Chevaliers. Anyone else? Mrs. Whitaker asked. Oh, well, I suppose Robert helped too, Jin said. But just a little. I don't know if he's a witch, really. Mrs. Whitaker fixed her cold gaze on Robert, and he squirmed uncomfortably as he felt her assessment of him. I see. Interesting, she said. Is it? 
Jin asked, confused. Mm, I think so, Mrs. Whitaker said. Her poker face was immaculate. It gave absolutely nothing away. She looked completely bored, but somehow still tremendously dangerous. Bobbert, Samson said suddenly. Bob, Bob, Bobbert. That's a funny word. I, I like it. Bobbert. 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 Mrs. Whitaker did not look amused. What is happening? She asked with a frown. Jin sighed and turned red. Uh, well, um, <clears throat> the witch wouldn't let us use spells, so I had to get creative and some healing salves uh, to help Samson. Uh, and, um, I think they got a little bit tipsy or something. Mrs. Whitaker nodded and reached into her desk in one smooth, fluid motion. She pulled out a small golden item. It looked very much like a magnifying glass, but it glowed from an internal light. She handed the glass to Samson and said, breathe on this. Samson giggled and did as they were told, breathing onto the surface of the glass. It fogged up momentarily and then began to change color, a cloudy swirl of bright blue shades moving across the surface of the glass. She quickly took it from Samson's hands and examined it. A moment later, she pulled a silk handkerchief from the drawer and wiped the glass clean. It became clear again, and she handed it to Jin. Your turn, she said. Breathe on it? Jin asked, confused. Yes, Mrs. Whitaker replied. It wasn't a question, but a command. Jin nodded and breathed onto the glass. This time, the color started at the center, a dark green dot, then it moved through the glass in little lines like a spider web. She handed the glass to Mrs. Whitaker, who looked at it momentarily before cleaning it and handing it to Robert. Now you, she said. Me? Robert was confused. I'm just, I mean, I'm not really a witch or anything. I said you, didn't I? Mrs. Whitaker replied. Robert nodded and took the little glass from her. It was small and round, barely bigger than his hand. The handle was golden and had a small butterfly inset into it. He held it up to his lips and took a deep breath, then let the air out onto the glass. Instantly, the glass exploded with a small popping noise, sending tiny shards in all directions. It didn't change color before it exploded, or if it did, Robert never saw it. Oh my God, I I'm so sorry, he said, dropping the magnifier back onto her desk. He looked around him in alarm, trying to figure out just how bad what he'd done was. Jin and Mrs. Whitaker were both staring at him. Jin looked stunned. Mrs. Whitaker almost looked surprised, but managed to maintain her composure. Bobbert, Samson said. Robert put his head in his hands and groaned. I'm so, so sorry. I don't know what I did, he said. Mrs. Whitaker carefully picked up the empty magnifying glass handle and held it up to look at it closely. 
She seemed to come to some kind of decision because she nodded and then carefully wrapped the item in the silk handkerchief and put it away. It's fine, she said firmly. She stood up and Robert held his breath, but she simply walked to the other side of the room and opened one of the intricately carved mahogany cabinets. Inside was a large assortment of potion bottles in all different colors, sizes, and types, many of them glowing with magic or moving in little swirls inside their bottles. She picked up a small bottle with a gold stopper in the shape of a butterfly. It was filled with a bright blue liquid that was almost exactly the same color as the magnifying glass had been when Samson breathed on it. She poured a tiny bit of the liquid into a shot glass and handed it to Samson. Drink this, she said. Before Jin or Robert could warn them against it, Samson had already consumed the little shot in one gulp. Ooh, tastes like blue raspberry, they said cheerfully. Robert watched them nervously, but to his surprise, Samson's face quickly contorted into a moment of confusion, and then their eyes cleared and they looked like Samson again. Sober, confident, in control. Samson coughed awkwardly and looked at Mrs. Whitaker. Then they quickly took in their surroundings. <clears throat> Thank you, they said. What a marvelous potion. May I ask what you put in it? You may ask, but I won't tell you, she said with a smirk. She put out her hand and Samson reluctantly handed the shot glass back. Nice to see you again, Samson, she continued. Although I'd prefer to see you drinking at my club rather than breaking into my graveyard on a full moon. Thank you for your hospitality, Mrs. Whitaker, Samson said coolly. With all due respect, that is not your graveyard. Are you sure that's how you want to speak to someone you need such a big favor from, she asked. What favors do I need from you? Samson replied. Robert groaned. Mrs. Whitaker pointed at Victor. Oh, damn, Samson said. What's wrong with him? Mm, yes, that is the question, isn't it? She said, turning to Robert. You said it had something to do with the dagger. Robert nervously explained what had happened from the chevaliers surrounding them while Jin healed Samson, to Jin's magic fog potion creating a distraction for him to slip away and chase after Victor and Lyrin. The room was so quiet you could hear a pin drop as he explained what had happened with Victor when he tried to stab Lyrin. Holy shit, Samson said when he was done. Mrs. Whitaker looked intrigued, but that was about all her face revealed. That is quite a tale, a very interesting piece of magic you experienced. She stood up and returned to her cabinets. She pulled out a much larger magnifying glass, similar to the one she had used previously. What is that? Robert whispered to Jin. I think it's a scrying glass. I've never been able to work one myself, but they're very useful if you can. It will probably help her figure out what kind of spell has frozen Victor, she said. Robert winced at the mention of Victor's condition. He turned and watched Mrs. Whitaker as she carefully approached Victor's unmoving body. She moved the scrying glass over him, whispering a few words which caused the glass to glow with magic. 
She started at his hands and squinted closely at the glass as she went, nodding to herself. She moved the glass up his body, shaking her head every now and then. Finally, she arrived at his chest, and the glass passed over his necklace with a small silver North Star pendant on it. Robert craned his neck to watch, and he was glad he did, because as soon as the glass passed over the pendant, it turned to ice and cracked, exploding tiny shards of glass over Victor's body. Mrs. Whitaker sighed. It's really not a good day for my scrying glasses, is it? She shook her head and turned around, sitting back down at her desk. She steepled her fingers again and looked over her glasses at the three of them. Did any of you place a binding spell on him? No, Robert said strongly. He didn't know what that was, really, but he knew he hadn't placed any spells on Victor. Jin and Samson both agreed that they hadn't either. Hmm. Did you perhaps leave any binding spells around where he might have been? Mrs. Whitaker asked. Oh, no, Jin said. What happened? Mrs. Whitaker said. I mean, I don't know for sure, Jin said nervously. I just, I, I make a lot of potions. I'm just ex experimenting. I don't even know if they work most of the time. Um, I left some of them in the storage, and Victor was hanging around down there. Maybe he picked one of them up? There was a binding potion in there. Mrs. Whitaker listened to the information. Then she said, That's quite a stupid thing to do. Would he do something that reckless? Yes, all three of them said in unison. Mrs. Whitaker raised an eyebrow at Samson. I thought he was as old as you are. He's older, actually, Samson said. Doesn't he have knowledge of magical things? Mrs. Whitaker asked. Um, sort of, Samson shrugged. He kind of doesn't care? Doesn't care, Mrs. Whitaker looked suspicious. Jin nodded her agreement. Pretty much. Victor really just likes to party and kiss good-looking people. Hmm, yes, Mrs. Whitaker said. He is a very good dancer. We've missed him around the club. I always liked him. Why don't you help him then? Robert blurted out. He looked over at Victor and felt pain in his chest. Why are we all just sitting here talking about him? We need to help him. Samson sighed. You'll have to excuse my friend. He has a terrible poker face, they said. Oh, I don't mind at all, Mrs. Whitaker said with a grin, but it wasn't a nice grin. Before Robert could figure out how to fix this situation, there was a knock at the door. Mrs. Whitaker looked annoyed, but she got up and opened the door a few inches. I told you I was not to be disturbed, she said. It's important, a stiff male voice said. She ducked out into the hallway, but left the door slightly open behind her. Naturally, all three vampires used their superhearing to listen in on the conversation. It's about Scorpion. He's dead, the man said. What do you mean he's dead? Mrs. Whitaker said. He's a vampire, and he's the headlining DJ at my club tomorrow. He can't be dead. He's definitely dead. I sent some of my crew to check and make sure, the man said. 
no, 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 he can't be. We need him. There are so many important people coming tomorrow. We have that delegation from Sweden, and the Selkie royalty are here. We have to give them a show. I'm sorry, madam, but he's dead. I think it was a fight with some other supernaturals in Ireland. Not the bloody Dublin Banshees again, is it? Mrs. Whitaker sighed. Not sure, but it seems likely, the man said. She cursed under her breath, but Jin had stopped listening and was tugging on Robert's sleeve. I have an idea! We can offer you! You can DJ in exchange for her fixing Victor! What? I'm not a DJ. I was just faking, Robert said. Oh, okay, Jin said. Then how did you DJ at Belladonna? Well, I mean, I learned to DJ, Robert admitted. So you got on stage and played music and people danced, she asked. Robert frowned. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Did anyone help you? Jin asked. Well, Liren paid for all the equipment, and he did all the promotion and got all the people to come and everything. Jin looked thoughtful. Did he force them to dance and pretend to have fun? She asked. No, not as far as I know, Robert admitted. Hmm, sounds to me like you DJed, Jin said. Robert smiled. I guess I did. Well, then you can certainly do it again, especially if it will save Victor, Jin said firmly. It wasn't a question, it was a statement, and Robert realized she was right. Of course, he murmured, though inside he was terrified by the idea. Perfect, Jin said. Just then, Mrs. Whitaker returned, closing the door carefully with a sour look on her face. Welcome back. We may have a solution to your little problem, Samson said. What problem? Mrs. Whitaker replied. Samson rolled their eyes. Don't be silly. You know we heard the conversation. We can help you. I'm listening, she said. Did you hear about Belladonna Club in Blackwood City? Jin asked. I'm aware of it, Mrs. Whitaker said, her steely eyes narrowing. I heard there was a DJ there who was part human and part vampire. Jin pointed at Robert excitedly. This is him! You've heard of me? Robert looked awed. Mrs. Whitaker looked at him with more interest now. We hear about everything in the supernatural world, especially in nightclubs. She turned to Jin. Is he a good DJ? Are you kidding? Jin said. He's the best DJ. He's insane. He's so good. People traveled from all over to see him. Robert tried to kick her under the desk, but there was no stopping Jin now. He's the most fantastic DJ I have ever seen in my life. You'd be a fool not to scoop him up while you had the chance. At this, Mrs. Whitaker gave her a deadly glare. What did you call me? She asked. Jin clamped her hand over her mouth. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't mean that. You're obviously not a fool. I just got carried away. That seemed to appease Mrs. Whitaker, who was looking at Robert appraisingly again. 
He smells like a vampire to me. He's a bit clumsy and naive, but he's not a human. Are you sure he's the right one? Samson suddenly realized what she was hinting at. We can make him human again, they assured her. I'm sorry, we can what? Robert said, alarmed. For the night, Samson added, clapping Robert on the shoulder cheerfully. Mrs. Whitaker looked more interested now. Can he change back? On stage? She asked. I don't see why not, Samson said. What? Robert said. Shh, Jin said. It's fine, it's fine. Robert was terrified. This did not sound fine at all. But he looked at Mrs. Whitaker, and the look he saw in her face told him this was going to work. Is it a deal? Samson asked. Mrs. Whitaker reached into one of their duffel bags and pulled out the jewel casket. Its little gemstones glimmered in the soft, warm light of her study. I think I'll be taking this as a tip for all of my trouble, she said. Samson gritted their teeth, but managed a weak smile and said, Of course, I would love to offer you this item as a tip. You've been more than generous. Mrs. Whitaker smiled. In that case, I'd be happy to help your friend here get back on his feet. We'd love to see him on the dance floor tomorrow at Resurrection. He's such a good dancer after all. The rest of the next hour was a bit of a blur for Robert. Mrs. Whitaker had insisted on seeing social media recordings of his performances at Belladonna Club. She had even complimented him at one point, which was surreal. Then she'd brought them all into the ritual space. It was a large room, somewhere deep within her compound, shaped like an octagon. There were no windows and only one door. The walls were lined with plush velvet fabric and twinkling lights draped from the ceiling. The floor was dark black with a large occult symbol painted on it in silver. Her team had brought Victor into the room and laid his body on the middle of the star. Robert, Jane, and Samson had all stood to the side as her coven brought tools and supplies into the room. The room felt thick with magic and power. Robert felt the magic prickling against his skin and it made him nervous. He was so worried he had dug his fingers into his palms until he broke the skin and cursed under his breath. He felt the dagger tucked into his boot and wondered with a jolt if they would try to take it from him. But they didn't. They didn't pay much attention to the vampires at all. Once the witches were going, they were all focused on their work. The work of saving Victor. They brought in bronze bowls of glittering dark liquids and placed them in the corners of the star. Candles were lit, bundles of herbs were burned, and the ashes scattered over his body. Robert just watched and waited, his heart beating wildly in his chest. At last, eight witches in long maroon robes with hoods that mostly covered their faces filed into the room. They all stood at the edges of the circle and began whispering incantations they read from small leather-bound books. Robert had expected they would all be speaking the same spell, just like when he and Jin had done the ritual in the tomb. 
but they weren't. They were all saying something different, murmuring spells in varying tones and different languages. As they spoke, Mrs. Whitaker stood over Victor and raised her hands in the air. When she did this, the glittering dark liquid from the bronze bowls began to rise as well, arcing gracefully upwards and across the circle. The streams of glittering liquid formed a dome above the witches, and as Mrs. Whitaker looked up at the liquid, Robert saw her eyes had turned completely white. She put a thin hand up, and her fingers dove into the glittering black liquid suspended in the air above her. She pulled out something small, bright green and wiggling. Robert craned his neck and gasped quietly when he realized it was a butterfly. Or at least, it looked like one. It was hard to say. It wiggled in Mrs. Whitaker's hands, but she didn't let it get away. She bent down and laid it on top of Victor, right in the middle of his chest. The butterfly-shaped thing turned to ice and stopped moving. Its wings fluttered for a moment, and then it melted into his body. And suddenly, Victor was melting too. The ice crystals disappeared, A little bit of warmth returned to Victor's pale cheeks, and a pool of clear water formed around him. He sat up suddenly with a huge breath, gasping for air. Victor looked around him wildly, shocked and confused. Then he saw Mrs. Whitaker standing over him, and he watched the glittering liquid returning to its bronze bowls. "'Good to see you, Mrs. Whitaker,' he said. "'Welcome back, Victor.' She replied. And so we end this most unusual episode, with Victor finally returned to life, and apparently Robert finally returning to DJ. You've been listening to All Vampires Are Gay. This episode was created, written, and performed by Corwin Rosewood, produced and composed by Parker Frost, with additional production, mixing, editing, and engineering by the team at Studio Corwin. If you enjoyed this episode, consider supporting our show today so we can make more episodes in the future. You can find all the ways to support us at corwinrosewood.com. Thank you for listening.